welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. As often as I can, I jump into conversations about topics that matter in education. In this episode, Dr. Tim Scheiger and I are all about leadership and organization. Tim, welcome. Thank you so much, Wendy. It's great to be here with you. I want to jump in and help people to understand what it is about your experience that makes you a person to listen to on the topic of leadership. Absolutely. So my background beyond being a middle school teacher is being a principal at a K-8 as well as a middle school level for over 10 years and being a school district superintendent for seven years. And so I bring a lot of experience when it comes to organizational leadership, educational leadership, and uh, the different topics that are of concern to, to people are of front of mind to people, whether it's instructional technology or um, coming up with organizational structures and developing administrators. I've done a lot of work with, with those types of situations, working with administrative teams, going through the referendum process. So strategic planning. I have lots of experience in, in areas that I believe a lot of leaders in education are looking to have some knowledge or conversation about. I believe that too. And the depth and breadth of your experience makes you a person to listen to because you're you're informed. You have the deep understanding of how leadership decisions can impact a program and that impacts the educators and that impacts the students. And you and I are all about students, I can tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk a little bit about how an organization can help the adults so that the adults can help the students. Are there some primary structural elements that you believe should be part of schools, especially middle schools? I believe it starts with what, what is what is your why as an organization? If you're an organization that that believes in in wanting to make the the student experience the best you can it really starts with looking at the structure and how are you set up are you set up for success have you set up your system your schools your policies your practices that are truly aligned and are in the best interest of helping the adults be in a position to succeed so they can be the best that they can be for the students that they serve we don't set up the structure of a school to serve itself. <laughs> Correct. And often, when I mean by setting up structures, it's really about looking at the calendar and looking at your schedule, looking at the programming opportunities you're going to offer and having them align. That takes purpose and intention. And a lot of times it's an evolution. If you go into an organization as a new principal, for example, as you know, Wendy, you you examine it, you you walk it for a while and you figure out, okay, there's a lot of good things happening here. And maybe there's some tweaks we can make to even make those good things even better. But you do that by, by listening, by becoming part of the culture and then thinking about, okay, what is our vision? We have a collective vision, it's having collaboration with your staff, with the other adults in the building and figuring out, okay, where do we want to go? Where are we at? And then what's that pathway to get us there? You said, take a look at the calendar, look at the schedule, think about the programs. Have you learned by mistake? 
Well, you know, when you're when you're building stuff, right? When you're looking at at look like schedule, for example, mm-hmm. that's a big you, one. Yeah, right. And especially at the middle school, right? It's a typically it's the first time when kids are leaving a, the single classroom, with the exception of some of the special classes, but then rotating throughout the day. When looking at schedules, uh, I have been through the process of going into a, a to a new school for me, having lots of staff that you know, we, we really need to look at at changes. And so we ask the questions, what are the changes? What are the things that are what we're doing well? What are the things we'd like to see differently? So for example, my first middle school that I was a principal in, a true middle school, I was a K-8 before I became a middle school principal solely. The there was not an advisory, for example, and the model was very junior high-ish. And so when we looked at the structure, it's, that's, that's fit advisory. Let's look at, at different classes that we want to offer. And so there were that, that first iteration that we tried out was better, but it wasn't great. And so a couple of years later, we tweaked it to have, we blocked, for example, English and math. And that was a, a good response to some of the concerns we had in those two areas. But then after living that for a year, we tweaked it again because it has implications elsewhere. And sometimes you don't know what those implications are until you live it. And I think where, where we really succeeded ultimately, it took a few iterations, like I said, to get it right, but it's having the open conversation developing a culture that everyone is valued and that their opinions are valued. And while we can't say yes to every desire that staff members have, that the door was never closed for the conversation. And we never just said, no, we're not doing that. Let's talk it through. Because I believe, Wendy, as a system, as an organization, that quality is impossible when people are afraid to tell the truth. I want to circle back to the question of schedule. And mm-hmm. and Tim, I need to make a confession because the lesson that I learned the hard way as a middle school administrator was <laughs> do not have your eighth graders have first period PE. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are sweaty and stinky for the rest of the day. Right. <laughs> so let me share that piece of advice with anyone joining us for this conversation. Uh, don't well, don't I- learn that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was yeah, and as you know, Wendy that not only don't have the eighth graders have first hour PE, the majority of staff really want to have their classes, especially the the core classes in the morning, right? And not after lunch. Yes. The, the, the period after lunch, what do you do with that one, right? You no digestion one hour. <laughs> right. And so do you look at some of your specials or some of the things that where the kids are up and more active mm-hmm. during those times? And so you really have to be kind of strategic as well. With those, with those, uh, when when placing kids uh, and into the schedules. Being of schedules, I we automatically may think of schedules as that daily schedule, first period, second period. But let's talk also about the schedule in terms of the school calendar, the year, and and things that happen at different moments during the year. Certainly, there are cycles when uh, feedback and comments come out and report cards come out. Uh, what about special events and, and thinking of the schedule that way? What advice might we offer to school leaders about the, the, the schedule that is the calendar? 
Sure. The when looking at the calendar, there's plenty of work that needs to get done, right? We, we have the you have the days you, you plug in what are the days you don't have school and, and, and all of those, right? But I always looked at it from a lens of how do we build in celebrations on a when I say regular basis, it might not be every week, but how, how do we stagger opportunities to build community through celebration throughout the year? So it's not just during the winter time as we get closer to the concerts and the winter break. It's not just during certain times of the year. The having it having it kind of paced and spaced really, really helps that. It's also how do you look at your what you're asking for staff outside of the classroom? So for example, professional development needs to be relevant and timely. So that way teachers can feel like, well, I'm gonna import this into my classroom at a time that makes sense. And so if you can build that around throughout the year as well to make it timely and relevant. So it's it's really about stepping back and looking and saying, okay, what are the important dates and times that are required from the community or or the district level. And then let's build something that makes sense where we kind of have a pacing going on versus really hammering home a lot of stuff in this area and this area. And then th there's not a lot here, right? Yeah. How, what, what can we share with teachers about what goes behind the scenes or what's involved behind the scenes in setting up that year calendar. And, and often it's a multi-year experience where we look at things that, uh, that recur and things that change. Sure. Of course, there's the, the you have to work with the other administrators within the district. So there's things that are, uh, as, a, as a larger organization, you have to make sure that you understand that your building is one of of a system exactly and from a looking at a a parent lens how do we not put too much on parents in certain weeks or certain times of the year as well so it's trying to 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 put that into place we don't want to have too many activities because if if there's overlap we don't want parents to choose between the first graders concert and the seventh graders concert Right. So there's a lot of little nuances like that. Then there's the um, when you have, for example, the middle school, you have conferences, there's going to be no school on Friday. If you have a Wednesday and a Thursday evening and then there's no school on Friday, it's building in that same break for the elementary school. So that way, again, if you've got your eighth grader who is the child care for the second grader that parents don't have to figure those things out. So those those type of things that are, they may seem small, but those are very important culturally. And from a, again, from a lens of how are we looking at the, the bigger community outside of our walls, not just what makes sense for us. So you really got to think about these these things that that a lot of people will look at and say, well, that's really not academic or that really doesn't, that's, is that a priority? Well, it is culturally and socially and sometimes those things do impact how you set up your academic structures. And you have to be cognizant of that. And, and so you just don't wanna have those things in conflict. And so putting everything out on the table and then, okay, now let's put together a schedule that seems to make sense. And then you also have the, uh, the 
uh, many districts have the structure or the organization of working with the teachers union and making sure that when you're building a schedule, so you have your calendar, but then you look at your teaching calendar and is that aligned with what contract is? And then you look at the teaching day. And if you're going to make changes to the middle school to um, 45 minute periods to 90 minute block periods, how does that impact things? So there's lots of little nuances that go into it, but Little nuances and major considerations. It's much more complicated than people realize. I hope that people who uh, think about it will will understand that sometimes there are small compromises and that what may look less than ideal may actually be a solution to 10 other things that they're not aware of behind the scenes. And that that is a consideration for faculty and staff, for families, for community members. There's always more than what meets the eye. And uh, as a a school leader, you know that it's it's complex. Tell me a little bit about uh, organizations like the Association of Mid-Level Educators. They provide incredible support for for schools, for individuals, for programs. What is your involvement with AMLE? I've worked with AMLE over the years to uh, get assistance when I was a middle school principal for mm-hmm. some of the scheduling things, but also some professional development. The, the conferences that they have annually, I would send staff to to get ideas, to find out what are some enriching practices and current practices that people are doing in other schools and other parts of the country that we should be thinking about. When we talk about initiatives at the middle school level, we would say, well, does AMLE have any resources that can support that? And so one of the things that I wanted to give back was to provide the opportunity uh, or provide some of my knowledge when it comes to instructional technology and how do if schools are looking for assistance with that, the writing project for the middle, the successful middle school series came about uh, after Ryan and I presented a year ago at their 49th um, annual conference. We turned that into a writing project and as a the successful middle school series, instructional technology. And so the collaboration with them to provide a resource for schools and educators in, in a very popular topic right now, we wanted to, to give back and, and provide some of the knowledge through experiences and also resources that people can go to so that they, if they have the need, whether it's digital wellness or setting up your structure or even determining what your beliefs and attitudes are towards technology for your staff, ways to, to make it better for them. Tell me more about instructional technology and the writing project specifically. Do you have a favorite part? I think that, uh, yes, my favorite part is the, when we talk about leadership and how often the leaders can impact what happens and how it happens. And when you go to conferences or when you're in meetings, a lot of times with, with peers, and people are excited about uh, an initiative. And then the leaders are like, yep, yeah, that's, that'd be a great idea. And then as soon as you try to implement it, it kind of like, well, the leader kind of backs off a little bit. And so what I what I call that is I call it mashed potatoes. Why? And, and so mashed potatoes are, I love mashed potatoes and you can do some things with them, but 
I call it mashed potato leadership when leaders are afraid or reluctant to implement change or implement new ideas. Even if it's in the best interest, a lot of times people, they don't want to rock the boat or they don't, they're, they're afraid of the pushback. And so a lot of times initiatives or good ideas kind of fizzle out and you fall back to what you know. So when it, the, the analogy or the metaphor of mashed potatoes is no resistance. Be, yeah. Leaders just fall back <laughs> to their, what they're comfortable with. And so I believe that we are asking students every day to take a risk, to come to school, to open your mind, to trust that your teachers and the adults in your school are going to teach you and help you progress and, and, and grow to your potential. Yeah, we tell we, them it's okay and, to fail. Exactly, failing mm. forward, right? Mm -hmm. We want you to fail because that's where you learn. And so as leaders, we need to model that. We need to, to let our staff know, we want you to take risks. We want you to fail forward. It's okay. You have to model it for the students, but as leaders, we have to model for our teachers. Yes, so all of a sudden it, it's a double standard. <laughs> right, so it doesn't mean necessarily that that you do things on your own. It doesn't mean that um, I would call it, I'm very much a collaborative leader. I want to make uh, decisions where we come together and, and be collective because at the end of the day, as an educational leader, if I make decisions, it's going to be other people typically that are going to enact them. Yes. And so they should have say, and it may not, maybe not ultimate say all the time, but let's have a conversation. So you understand, you get that buy-in as an organization so we can then move forward together. So to, add, to answer your question, I think my favorite part is really challenging leaders to not fall back to your comfort food and worry about the stuff that is management. You know, crisis management is easy for principals. They're really good at that. But then there's the strategy. There's the, you know, as leaders, we have to be advocating at the admin level and not just falling back to the, well, we're not sure if people are going to like this, or we're not sure how this is going to go, or we're going to, no, you sometimes you just got to try it. That's what, that's what risk-taking is. Yeah. Even and, if strategy's hard, you, you owe that to your community, because if you don't do it, nobody else is. Exactly. That's part exactly. of the role. You yeah. mentioned having an organizational why, and I, I feel like this discussion of strategy is related and any ideas that come from wherever in all of the stakeholder groups of a school or a system, if there is a shared why, then the ideas already start to make sense, even as they come in, even if they're half-baked. Absolutely. And, if yeah. you know where you want to go, what is our, what is our vision? Mm -hmm. And then you start to, then you can build systems or implement new changes or programming or initiatives that are aligned with that vision. And if not, then you end up just having random randomness and that, and, and when you're misaligned or it's not necessarily out of, out of poor intent, I don't think people have bad intentions, but you get caught up sometimes in either fads or the moment that let's try this or try that, but are they really aligned with our vision? And if you've got the vision, you can be a stronger organization. 
And so that that's really important to me is to have people understand, know your why and develop your plans around that and your changes around that, not just try new things. And so as educational leaders, there is the, I call it the ER, you know, the crisis management, the things you have to deal with during the day. And then there's the long-term care, which is where you look at, okay, when we're, how do we look at the organization? How do we take care of the entire school or the entire district, not only today, but two years down the road? This is perfect. I can see, Tim Scheiger, why people think of you when they think of leadership and think of organization. I'm grateful for our conversation. For those of you who have enjoyed this time, please accept our thanks. And if you'd like to explore topics and resources that Tim and I discussed today, please check out the show notes at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe on whatever listening app you use that will help others to find us and to hear Tim's great advice. I'll see you again soon for the next episode. Thanks for listening.